Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcasts at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's simpler to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com, you can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, NHK World Radio Japan, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, and Radio Havana Cuba. We will begin with France 24. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is continuing to push his plan to expel migrants to Rwanda despite the UK Supreme Court rejecting the idea. France 24. It's a bill that's created a rift even within the British Conservative Party. The contentious scheme, which aims to expel migrants arriving in the UK to Rwanda, is returning to the debate in the House of Lords on Wednesday. It's the brainchild of Rishi Sunak, and the Conservative Prime Minister is determined to pass the bill in Parliament. We've made progress, down by a third, but in order to fully solve this problem, we need a deterrent. That's what Rwanda is all about, and that is why I'm absolutely committed to getting this bill through Parliament and getting this scheme up and running. Under the plan, which has cost £290 million so far, Downing Street would block asylum seekers arriving by boat in the UK and instead send them on a one-way trip to Rwanda. The UK Supreme Court has ruled the East African nation as an unsafe destination, as it could send victims of abuse back to countries they have fled from. And now a new damning report by a key parliamentary committee warns the bill is fundamentally incompatible with human rights. Having considered the evidence provided to us and taken into account other relevant material, we have concluded that the bill does not comply with the UK's human rights obligations and would place the UK in breach of international law. The bill will face multiple attempts to amend it and a back and forth between the Lords and the elected House of Commons that could foil Rishi Sunak's aim of getting the first flight to Rwanda off the ground this spring. But even if the bill passes, it's not yet clear whether flights will ever take off. The plan is one of the five key policy pledges of Rishi Sunak, who faces a general election this year. That report was from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. They are also available at most podcast sites. On to NHK World Radio Japan. Japan has lost its place as the third largest economy. The severity of the New Year's Day earthquake in central Japan has led to fine-tuning evacuation plans around nuclear power plants. South Korea has restored ties with Cuba, which they had stopped with the 1959 Cuban Revolution. Jose Burrell, foreign policy chief for the European Union, says the death toll in Gaza should have Israeli allies rethinking their military support. Egypt and Turkey are working together to avert the catastrophic happenings in Palestine. 
NHK Japan. Japan has lost its place as the world's third largest economy to Germany. Japan's nominal gross domestic product for 2023 came to 591.5 trillion yen, or some 4.2 trillion dollars. That's based on last year's average exchange rate. Germany's preliminary GDP surpassed Japan's to stand at nearly 4.5 trillion dollars. The Japanese economy was the world's second largest for decades from 1968, but China surged past in 2010, leaving Japan third until now. Germany's population is just about two thirds the size of Japan's. Since Japan's economic bubble burst in the early 1990s, prolonged slow growth and deflation have curbed both consumer spending and corporate investment. While the weak yen lowers the value of Japan's economy in dollar terms, higher inflation in Germany has helped boost growth there. The earthquake that hit central Japan's Noto Peninsula on New Year's Day left much of the affected area without water supplies, restoring tap water to more than 30,000 households and businesses remains a key challenge in the recovery. Meanwhile, Japan's nuclear authorities are using the Noto Peninsula earthquake as a wake-up call. They're fine-tuning emergency guidelines for communities near power plants after the disaster raised some serious questions. Nuclear regulation authority officials held a meeting on Wednesday. They've decided to set up a team, including outside experts, to compile more flexible measures on evacuating or sheltering at home in the event of a radiation leak. At the same time, they say guidelines compiled after the March 2011 nuclear accident in Fukushima Prefecture remain effective. Currently, people living within five kilometers of a power plant must evacuate immediately after a serious accident. Those living between 5 and 30 kilometers away are asked to shelter at home but flee if radiation levels exceed a certain threshold. The earthquake on New Year's Day cut off roads and destroyed many buildings near the Shika nuclear plant in Ishikawa Prefecture. The facility sustained some damage but reportedly leaked no radiation. The NRA plans to release the updated guidelines by the end of fiscal 2024. 65 years after the breakup of diplomatic relations with Cuba, South Korea has restored ties with the Latin American country and longtime friend of North Korea. The South Korean Foreign Ministry says the country's mission to the United Nations reached the agreement on Wednesday in New York with representatives from Cuba. Their bilateral exchanges stopped following the 1959 Cuban Revolution. In 2016, the then South Korean foreign minister visited Cuba and expressed a desire to resume diplomatic relations. In June last year, after South Korean President Yoon s e o n y e o l took office, His government offered humanitarian aid worth around $300,000 to Cuba, which suffered severe damage from heavy rain. South Korea's Yonhap News Agency reports the two countries negotiated behind the scenes, taking into consideration that North Korea might oppose and attempt to block any move to restore relations. Havana and Pyongyang have maintained diplomatic ties since 1960. 
The South Korean Foreign Ministry says both sides will discuss opening diplomatic offices and so will develop foundations for expanding economic cooperation, including helping firms start businesses in Cuba. The foreign policy chief for the European Union says the toll on civilians should have Israel's allies rethinking military aid. Joseph Borrell made the comments after chairing a meeting of EU ministers focused on the United Nations Aid Agency for Palestinian Refugees. Israeli officials have accused staff members of the UNRWA of being involved in the Hamas attack in October. That's prompted the U.S. and other donor nations to suspend funding for the agency. Borrell says talking about people being killed while doing nothing is contradictory. If you believe that too many people are being killed, maybe you should provide less arms in order to prevent so many people being killed. It's not logical. Leaders of countries in and around the Middle East have warned Israeli commanders against a renewed offensive in southern Gaza. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi and Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan have put aside years of tensions to try to avert a catastrophe. Erdogan made his first visit to Cairo in more than a decade. Turkey and Egypt had cut ties when Sisi led a coup and ousted one of Erdogan's allies. They say now they're trying to raise relations to another level. And they say they're cooperating to stop the bloodshed in Gaza. I agreed with President Erdogan on the need for an immediate ceasefire and the need to achieve stability in the West Bank in order to continue the peace process as soon as possible. Efforts to depopulate Gaza are not acceptable. I appreciate and support Egypt's astute and determined attitude on this issue. Erdogan warned Israeli leaders against taking what he called their massacres into Rafah. 1.4 million Palestinians have taken refuge in the city. And Sisi worries they'll try to cross the border into Egypt. He's expressed those concerns to negotiators from Israel, the U.S., and Qatar as they reviewed Hamas proposals for a ceasefire. But Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says those talks offered nothing new. He insists negotiations will only move forward once Hamas leaders drop what he calls their delusional demands. World leaders are pressuring Israel to halt its offensive in the Gaza city of Rafah. This as negotiators meet in Cairo looking to secure a truce for an immediate and sustained period of calm. Mediators from Egypt, the U.S. and Qatar have extended ceasefire proposals from Hamas, but they've been rejected by Israeli leaders. There's still a push to enact the pause in fighting that will last at least six weeks. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres warns that if negotiations fail, the consequences will be devastating. There is a breakdown in public order. At the same time, uh, we have uh, restrictions imposed by Israel that are not improved. 
and limit humanitarian distribution. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. On shortwave, they may be heard at 9 p.m. at 13735 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. They're also up at most podcast sites, as is the shortwave report. And all the times I announce are for Pacific Standard Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Last weekend, Trump said that NATO countries that do not pay into it at the agreed amount will not be defended by the U.S., which has rekindled the idea of a European Union military alliance and possible nuclear weapon proliferation. Then a few excerpts from the Putin interview by Tucker Carlson. Protests continue to swell in Israel against Netanyahu and the war in Palestine. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Our remarks by U.S. presidential hopeful Donald Trump last week have been widely interpreted as putting the future of the NATO alliance in doubt. And that's leaving America's European partners mulling a world without guaranteed backup from the world's biggest nuclear power. It's also reignited a debate in Germany and beyond about rethinking Europe's nuclear setup. This is a test of NATO's nuclear deterrent. Fighter jets seen here training to defend Europe against threats from Russia or other foreign powers. But there may soon be a new test from within, as one presidential hopeful questions US commitment to the Western military alliance. No, I would not protect you. In fact, With countries worldwide agreeing to nuclear non-proliferation decades ago, much of Europe has long counted on an American nuclear shield. The US has over 5,000 nuclear bombs in total. Although numbers are classified, experts widely agree around 100 of them are deployed on European NATO territory in Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Western Turkey and Italy. Fellow NATO members France and the UK also have their own national nuclear arsenals. France has in the past suggested more continental cooperation. We're not sure NATO will always be there. Autonomy means having your own destiny in your own hands. We can't depend on the US elections every four years. But there's no solid offer of alternative security guarantees. Any Europe-wide nuclear deterrence would require a whole raft of negotiations, new treaties and an infrastructure revolution. Despite calls from some German EU parliamentarians, the government says it's a non-starter. We have the American protective shield and we shouldn't question it carelessly on our own initiative. The nuclear debate is really the last thing we need at the moment. It's an escalation in the discussion we don't need. Eastern flag NATO nations nearest Russia are calling on other European countries to beef up non-nuclear capabilities like their armies and ammunition supplies. I think what uh, um, the presidential candidate in America says is also uh, something to maybe uh, wake up uh, uh, some of the allies who haven't done that much. For now, nuclear drills across Europe will continue, and so will the debate. Well, Vladimir Putin's interview with Tucker Carlson was his first one-on-one interview with Western media since 2019. He used the, uh, the occasion to push for recognition of Moscow's interests and depicted Russia as a victim of Western betrayal and fear-mongering. 
Conservative talk show host Tucker Carlson is a former Fox News anchor, an ally of Donald Trump and a vocal opponent of U.S. military aid for Ukraine. He travelled to Moscow to speak to uh, the Russian president. Here are some excerpts from their conversation, uh, which was broadcast on the Tucker Carlson network. Do you think NATO is worried about this becoming a global war or a nuclear conflict? At least that's what they're talking about. And they're trying to intimidate their own population with an imaginary Russian threat. Can you imagine a scenario where you sent Russian troops to Poland? Only in one case, if Poland attacks Russia. Why? Because we have no interest in Poland, Latvia or anywhere else. I think you're saying you want a negotiated settlement to what's happening in Ukraine. We're willing to negotiate. It is the Western side, and Ukraine is obviously a satellite state of the U.S. This endless mobilization in Ukraine, the hysteria, the domestic problems, sooner or later it will result in agreement. Do you think it's too humiliating at this point for NATO to accept Russian control of what was two years ago Ukrainian territory? Up until now there has been the uproar and screaming about inflicting a strategic defeat on Russia on the battlefield. Now they are apparently coming to realize that it is difficult to achieve, if possible at all. In my opinion, it is impossible by definition. It is never going to happen. Why don't you just call Biden and say, let's work this out? If you really want to stop fighting, you need to stop supplying weapons. It will be over within a few weeks. That's it. Who blew up Nord Stream? <laughs> you for sure. I was busy that day. <laughs> you personally may have an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. Emotions are boiling over on the streets of Tel Aviv, meanwhile, with demands for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to resign. 136 hostages are still being held by Hamas in Gaza, and their families are running out of patience. Dozens blocked a major highway on Saturday night, lighting bonfires. An angry crowd marched on military headquarters, demanding a deal with Hamas to free the remaining hostages. DW's Ben Fazulin reports. The battle lines are drawn between the demonstrators and police. A 1,000-strong crowd outside military headquarters. Police are now moving in, some of them on horseback, to subdue the protest as things are reaching tipping point here in Tel Aviv. They're taking away one protester after the next. They shout at the police, shame on you. What they're doing is they're attacking protesters um, and uh, arresting peaceful uh, uh, protesters and attacking them, uh, choking them, trampling them, uh, doing exactly what you would expect from a corrupt militia in a, in a dictatorial country. And now they're using uh, uh, these horses. You do not do, need to do that in order to uh, clear the streets. Uh, the protests have been very peaceful. They've also been growing every week and becoming more and more political. This was a nation in shock just four months ago. They were dealing with the trauma of October 7. They were dealing with a war against Hamas. 
now their fury is pointed directly at the Israeli government. This parliament of ours right now is a government of criminals and a parliament of criminals which are busy robbing the, um, the economy of this state and uh, taking care of uh, private interests instead of taking care of this state, which is really what we did right now. Just up the road, the families of hostages block a highway, setting bonfires ablaze. They want the immediate release of the captives. The same message a kilometer away at Habima Square. Residents of Tel Aviv tell me about their fears for Israeli and Palestinian lives. I'm here because I am a, I'm a strongly against the violence that is happening in the Gaza Strip. As an Israeli citizen, I'm, I'm devastated to live my life normally while this is happening an hour away from me. The situation is just unbearable. The government we have here is just destroying the country, destroying the future of my children. We are in a situation that is so sad and so deeply, deeply disturbing that we just cannot continue to stay home and not say anything. We need to have elections. Never ever so many people have died in Israel in one war and this is one government that is in charge for this and they're not taking any responsibility for what happened and it's unbelievable. 126 days of war. How much longer will Netanyahu's coalition last? Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Also available at most podcast sites. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could help support this listener-funded program like a longtime supporter in Willits, California did this week, my PayPal contact information is available at my website, outfarpress.com, or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Your support helps the weekly production and distribution of this show, which is supplied without cost to more than 100 radio stations across the globe. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. Venezuela accuses Mobile Exxon and Guiana of working together to steal their land and petroleum resources. Argentinian Peace Prize laureate Aldolfo Perez Esquivel urged the international community to demand the release of Julian Assange. Radio Havana, Cuba. The government of Venezuela has denounced a campaign prepared and financed by ExxonMobil, seconded by Guyana, against the constitutional obligation of the Venezuelan state to establish an integral policy in the land, insular and maritime border areas to preserve through the Bolivarian National Armed Forces, the FANB, its territorial integrity, national sovereignty and the defense of the homeland. Quote, Venezuela makes it clear before the community of Latin American and Caribbean states, CELAC, -E 
that the actions of ExxonMobil and the government of Guyana contravene the fundamental principles of international law and constitute an aggression that seeks to destabilize the region, the foreign ministry's statement read. The communique was released by the Venezuelan foreign minister, Ivan Hill, through his account on the social network X, formerly Twitter. According to the text, such campaign is nothing more than a rouse to flee from the responsibility that corresponds to it in view of the scandalous declarations of its president, Alistair Routledge. The Guyanese president, who in addition to substituting Guyana's sovereignty, has dared to issue threatening judgments rejoicing at the presence of military powers in an undermarketed sea where they have received illegal oil concessions, some of them located in an incontrovertibly Venezuelan maritime area. Venezuela declares that the actions of ExxonMobil and the government of Guyana also seek to destabilize the region, violating the recent agreements reached in Argyle, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. At the same time, they added to the constant provocation rhetoric accompanied by the recurrent declaration of spokespersons of the Department of Defense and the U.S. Southern Command who have permanently installed themselves in Guyana. Venezuela reserves diplomatic actions and all those framed in international law to enforce its rights and urges the Cooperative Republic of Guyana to assume its commitments, especially those contemplated in the Geneva Agreement of 1966, the only valid instrument between the parties to find a solution to the territorial dispute between the two countries. Argentinian Nobel Peace Prize Laureate and fighter Adolfo Perez Esquivel urged the international community on Sunday to demand the release of cyber activist Julian Assange and to speak out against his possible extradition to the United States. In a video posted on the social network X, Perez Esquivel said that the prosecution of the WikiLeaks founder in U.S. territory, quote, would be a huge injustice to freedom of the press and to a man who defended the truth. We have to build peace, support Assange, and demand the British justice not to extradite him to the United States. I call for solidarity with him and his family to end this anguish and pain he has been suffering for years. Assange remains locked up in prison in the UK since Ecuador withdrew in 2019, the political asylum granted seven years earlier, and allowed the police to arrest him at its embassy in London. In mid-2022, the British government communicated its decision to allow his extradition to the United States, which intends to try him for bringing to light war crimes committed by its military in Iraq and Afghanistan and thousands of secret files of its diplomacy. If prosecuted and convicted by a U.S. court, he could be sentenced to 175 years in prison on 17 charges related to the Espionage Act. Last year, the Nobel Prize winner and other personalities from the Argentine delivered letters to the United Kingdom Embassy in this capital in which they assured that this country has the sovereign possibility of setting an international precedent in defense of freedom of the press as a fundamental human right. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu. There's no podcast, however. 
On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140 and from 5 p.m. to 11 at either 606060 or 6165. At their website, radiohc.cu, you can stream the English version at noon, Monday through Friday, Pacific Standard Time. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, find information for online support. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 27th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. For 26 years, the shortwave report has been produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. While I am recuperating from spinal surgery, I am staying at a home that is connected to the grid. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.